0: Right, well those of you who thought tonight was a question time couldn't have been more wrong. Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, if you turn with me to two Samuel To Samuel, <laughs> Samuel Would you say? <coughs> <coughs> to two Samuel got nice, thank you <laughs> Chapter five And uh, I just want to read verse 20. And uh, this is a- actually a verse from a description of um, one of the victories that David had over the Philistines when he was king. And, uh, but it's not so much the story we're interested in, as just one, one verse of it. So David went to Baal-Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as water breaks out... The Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal-perazim. And what Baal-perazim means, it's quite common that places in the Old Testament were named after a particular event to describe some aspect (coughs) of it. And this place, after this incident against the Philistines, David called it Baal-perazim. And what that means is the Lord of breaking through the Lord of breaking through. And in effect, what David is saying here, is I'm going to call it that because the Lord has broken through the Philistines who were against me, and you get this thing, as the waters break out, or as the waters break through, if you had the pressure of water against the dam, and say the pressure of the water becomes stronger than the ability of the dam to hold it back, then the water would break through. And, um, and so David here calls this place the Lord of breaking through. And in our lives, both individually, each one of us individually, but also corporately as a fellowship, there are breakthroughs to be made in regards to various things. In the same way that David here needed the Lord to break through the Philistines, There are things that we need individually in our own lives and corporately as a church. There are breakthroughs that we need in regards to various things. There are kind of obstacles that need to be overcome in order for us to really grow in the Lord and really to get close to Him. Now, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I mean, I'm I'm talking about obstacles that are some big deal. I mean, sort of don't think that this is a kind of a, well, there's, there's this that you've got to break through, so, so get breaking through. I mean, it's nothing heavy, what I'm talking about here at all. That will become clear as we proceed through. So don't think that this is some big, great challenge, massive repentance talk. It's not. But it's just seeing that in order to grow in the Lord, obviously, in effect, it is one breakthrough after another. That is what growing in the Lord is all about. And, uh, you know, but sort of like, you know, through the thought raised here, Baal, in the Lord of breaking through. I just want to kind of indicate some of the things where, you know, sort of like, in effect, the Lord is saying, well, there's some breakthroughs on the way. And that's good news, because remember, it's the Lord who breaks through. I mean, we have our part to play, as we're going to see but nevertheless, it's the Lord who does it. And what we're going to do is that we're going to have a a quick look at three people that Jesus encountered when he was in ministry on earth. All right? Three people. And we're going to see that each one of them had a barrier to break through. They had an obstacle that they had to overcome. In order to get close to the Lord and receive from Him whatever it was that they needed of Him. So, three people, and each of them had an obstacle to overcome. There was something they needed to break through in order to get close to Jesus so that they could receive from Him what they needed. And it's very much a question this of if the cap fits, where it. I mean, where each one of us are going to see areas where think, oh yeah, I think, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that speaks to me. And there might be another one, you think, no, that's no problem. So it's just a question of whatever relates to us, we'll take that on board. So let's, let's see the, the first of, um, of these three people. And each person represents one of the three areas where we need to break through. All right, that will become clear as we proceed. If you go firstly to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and find chapter 19. <coughs> Luke chapter 19. And uh, I'm going to read the first ten verses. Luke 19, starting from verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, these, these tax collectors, alright, they, they really had a bad time in Israel. And the reason was, they were Jews. Remember, Israel, at the time of Jesus, was occupied by Rome. So Rome was exacting tribute. Not only were you occupied, a lot of your freedom was curtailed by the fact that Rome was running you, but you had to pay taxes as well. And what the Romans liked to do was have tax collectors uh, who were of the people that they were controlling. So the point is, they wanted various Jews to be the tax collectors, and Zacchaeus was one of them. In fact, a chief one. But of course, this 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 incurred the wrath of the rest of the Jews. So Zacchaeus, as a tax collector, as a Jew, was rejected. Um, you know, sort of like by his friends and that By his Jews in much the same way that the prostitutes were. Okay, so um, you know, publican, a tax collector, and sinners, the prostitutes, publicans, and sinners. So you know, Zacchaeus was one of those rejected outsiders. All right, but having said that, it's not a question of poor old Zacchaeus. He was in that position because he liked money. And he was prepared to be a bit of a traitor to his people in order to get, you know, Roman money. And, of course, one of the reasons that the tax collectors were so rich is that they were all the time on the fiddle. So he was also exploiting his fellow people as well. So um, he was a tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he couldn't, because of the crowd. His problem was, here's Jesus coming along, and and there's this big crowd, and they're all taller than than, than he is. And and the crowd is between Zacchaeus and Jesus. So he wanted to get close to Jesus, but he couldn't couldn't even see him. Verse 4, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot... Makes him sound like a good meal, doesn't it? (laughs) Like, reached the spot. When Jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus come down immediately I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord look Lord here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, which was Jesus' way of saying he'd become a believer. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, Zacchaeus represents barriers that are to do with each one of us individually, the barriers inside of us. You see, Zacchaeus' problem was he wanted to get close to Jesus. He was actually in process of becoming a believer. You know, this is when he actually gets saved. He wants to get close to Jesus. But there's an obstacle in his way that he has to break through. Now, that obstacle was to do with himself. It was that he was so short. And because he was so short, he couldn't get to Jesus, because he couldn't even see where he was. Now, can you see, he represents the fact that there are barriers in all of us, individually, okay, um, which need to be broken through in order to get closer to Jesus. And he was short, he couldn't see him. So the problem The thing that he had to break through was something to do with himself. It was um, a factor in his own life. It was the fact that he was so short. So, what he did is he had to find a tree to climb. He overcame the problem in that way. And obviously, when it comes to getting closer to the Lord and growing in the Lord or whatever, obviously, at the end of the day, our problems always boil down to something to do with inside of us, don't they? I mean, at the end of the day, most barriers, any barriers that we need to break through, tend to be generated from ourselves, all right? And uh, so, so normally, every step of the way in getting closer to the Lord and growing in Him, kind of boils down to us having something to do about ourselves. But the main thing to get hold of, all right, is that here, we're looking at someone who the problem that he had to overcome, the barrier that he had to break through, was something to do with himself. It was his size. And so, here we've got someone, they want to get to Jesus, they can't get to Jesus, and the main barrier, the main problem that they're facing, is that because they're so short, And because the crowd standing in front of them are all taller, they can't even see where Jesus is. So that was the barrier that Zacchaeus was facing. And he did something about it, and that is the key. He did something about it. He climbed a sycamore tree. Now, we've got to understand, all right, that right back before God created anything, he knew, because God knows everything, that a day was going to come when a little chap called Zacchaeus was going to be desperately trying to work out, how can I get to Jesus? I'm too sure, I can't see where he is. So God always knew from eternity that Zacchaeus was going to face this problem. So what did the Lord plan in advance? He planned in advance that when the problem confronted Zacchaeus, he'd be standing next to a sycamore tree. So the Lord had a sycamore tree there, that was there, purely because Zacchaeus was going to need it. And so, he climbs up the sycamore tree. And when he climbs up the sycamore tree, he has broken through the barrier of his shortness. Because now he can see Jesus better than anyone can. It reminds me of that time when Blinge and I were in in Disney World at the parade, and I was sort of like dangling halfway up a tree with Gary's video. You know, because the crowds, you know, were just, you know. And so Zacchaeus, he's gone up the tree and he's overcome the problem. And you see, each one of us, we've got to be aware of any sycamore trees that we ought to be climbing. Can you see what I mean? Because for every problem that we ever face, because remember, our lives have been planned out from eternity. Nothing, There's nothing about your circumstances that surprises the Lord. He knew all about it from eternity, alright? And for every step forward that we need to make, so to speak, there's a sycamore tree. And all we've got to do is to find it. Zacchaeus found his, and he climbed it, and he overcame the problem. So, we had to ask, are there any sycamore trees, individually, that we need to start climbing? And notice that once Zacchaeus did that, once he shinned his way up this tree, now, not necessarily easy, I don't find climbing trees particularly easy, but quite possible, and that's the point. Our step forward, whatever step forward we need to make, is always quite possible, because God has always provided everything we need in order to take it. At the end of the day, climbing a tree was quite feasible for Zacchaeus, and whatever our sycamore tree is, it's quite feasible, quite possible for us to actually do it. But once he got to the top, immediately Jesus saw him and went straight for him. So we've got Zacchaeus wanting to get to Jesus, but the crowd's in the way, he's short. Can't even see where Jesus is. How can I get to Jesus if I can't even see where he is? Ah, there's a sycamore tree, so up he goes. Now I can see where Jesus is. But the moment he gets to the top of the tree, Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm coming to your place for tea. That's the point. The moment we climb our sycamore tree, <coughs> the Lord moves straight to you. Can you see? Zacchaeus got to the top, and now he's got more than anyone else in the crowd had. He, he was completely cut out of the situation because of the crowd, yet he climbs the tree, and now he's got Jesus' personal attention. And can you see? That's always the way it is when we need to make that move to get closer to the Lord, the moment we do, we find that we might have gone one-tenth of the way, Jesus has gone nine-tenths of the way. It's always like that. He'll be straight there, responding to our move to him. Now then, remember, we're talking here about overcoming the barriers that are to do with ourselves, (coughs) purely ourselves. For Zacchaeus, it was simply the fact that he was short. Alright. So then, what are, maybe, some of the, the barriers that we need to overcome? What, maybe, are the sycamore trees that we need to climb in order to really make steps forward? I mean, for instance, uh, I mean, go, go to Isaiah 59. I, I'm just going to chuck some things out. The sort of thing that, that it might be And uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2, and Isaiah says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Now then, unconfessed sin creates a barrier between us and the Lord, doesn't it? Unconfessed sin and we're out of fellowship. What does the Bible say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, maybe there's an element of sometimes there's a barrier and the thing inside of us that is preventing us from getting closer to the Lord. For Zacchaeus, it was the fact that he was short. Maybe for us, sometimes there are things that perhaps we need to be a little bit more honest about. Maybe there are Things here and there that we need to face up to and, and to stop excusing or justifying. You need to identify and think, well, yeah, well, you know, with, with, with that thing, um, yeah, that's there, there's a sin there that I haven't really put right with the Lord. And there's a sycamore tree. Now, how do you climb the sycamore tree of unconfessed sin? It's confession. One John one nine. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just. Boom. So there's a sycamore tree that maybe needs to be climbed. And then, if there is any undealt with sin, any unconfessed sin, anything that maybe we're excusing and justifying, but we know really that the Lord's got his finger on it, alright? So, so, so to just come clean, that, that then we're saying, right, there, there's something in me preventing me getting closer to the Lord. Right, I'm, as it were, too short. There's my sycamore tree, I'm going to confess that sin, and here I am at the top of the tree, and now Jesus is saying, hey, hey, come down, because I'm, I'm coming to your house for tea. You see, problem solved. Barrier broken through. As simple as that. Maybe prayerlessness. Remember, these are all personal things we're talking about at this juncture. Because Zacchaeus's problem was to do with himself. He was short. So these are problems purely to do with us individually. Prayerlessness. That can be a barrier. And that sycamore tree is, is ultimately just doing it. Just, just doing it. If we're prayerless, there's going to be a kind of a barrier between us and the Lord that needs breaking through. So, I mean, what's the sycamore tree of prayerlessness? Well, it's it's, it's praying. And remember what we've said here so many times. If it's if it's just five minutes a day, it's a start. No need to go from our oh, great struggle with prayerlessness to two hours in prayer a day. That's ridiculous you know but, but maybe just 5 minutes just 10 minutes you see there's always something that can be done there's always the sycamore tree there to be climbed maybe the same with reading our bibles you know i mean again if you know sort of like you know you know the months come and go and we we never read our bibles again we might well find that we're going to be in a, in problems well i mean it's just just a question of doing it Or, it's like in going away from here tonight, there might be, obviously, things that I haven't mentioned specifically, but that the Lord might point out to each of our own hearts. That, you know, that would be purely between each one of us individually and the Lord. But are you getting the point? And it's like with Zacchaeus, we saw that, I mean, you know, he he went on to give half his possessions away to the poor. And, uh, you know, and, and he said, look, you know, you know the people I've swindled, and there'd been enough of them because he was a tax collector. He says, right, you know, whatever I've swindled, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. And, uh, you know, so he, he really meant business, did old Zacchaeus. You know, can you see the point when he thought, I'm too short, but I'm not going to let that stand between me and the Lord. And then he's going on to sort of like giving half his money away. This guy meant business with the Lord. Uh, But that is the foundation of any growth in the Lord anyway, isn't it? It's only if we really and truly mean business. And if we do, well, it means that whatever sycamore trees need climbing will get up them somehow. You might find you're halfway up and keep falling off. Well, okay. But you're going to keep going until you get to the top. You will. It's possible. The Lord will make sure. So then, the point is, For Zacchaeus, his being short was a real kind of hindrance to him getting closer to the Lord. And whatever your problem is, whatever my problem is, we have problems about us that are a real hindrance to us getting close to the Lord. There are things about me, personality traits, things in my makeup, blah, 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 which really do put me at a disadvantage in following the Lord. And that is true of every believer in this room and every believer across the world, because we're sinners. There are things about us that put us at a disadvantage to following the Lord, in exactly the same way that Zacchaeus was short. But the point is, Zacchaeus, because he meant business, overcame his shortness. And whatever the traits are, whatever the things are in us that make it hard to follow the Lord, well, the truth is, we can overcome them in the same way that the Zacchaeus overcame his problem. The Lord will always, in his time, in his way, direct us to the particular sycamore tree that we need to climb. So then, whatever our problem is, It might seem very looming, we might think, crikey, there's, there's no breaking through this one. But the truth of the matter is, there is breaking through it, because it's the Lord who's going to do it. So we've got to be willing to climb the sycamore trees. If we are, then we needn't ever end up in despair over whatever it is that, at the moment, we feel is forming a barrier between us and the Lord, because we can climb, as it were, that sycamore tree. Right, so, so, so there's Zacchaeus. Now, go to Mark. The Gospel of Mark. And if you find chapter 10. And now we're going to see someone else. Whose problem was slightly different. The barrier that they needed to break through was, was slightly different. Mark chapter 10. And, uh, if you find verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus, of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, Bartimaeus' problem was slightly different. He wanted to get close to Jesus. He's in a crowd. All right? Rather like um, you know, Zacchaeus was. But with Bartimaeus, all right, if you get a crowd, you get a lot of noise. And Jesus is coming and Bartimaeus is there. And he starts calling out to Jesus. Now, he's, he's up against a crowd. You've got a whole crowd and all their noise. all right, And Bartimaeus calling out to Jesus. One voice trying to be heard over a multitude of voices. But then, not only that, then the people in the crowd, immediately around him, start to tell him to shut up. Saying, shut up! What are you going on about? Quiet! And so, here's Bartimaeus. He wants to get close to Jesus, and the only way he can do it is by crying out. But the first thing he's up against is the general noise of the crowd anyway, and then the second thing he's up against is the people in the crowd were trying to tell him to shut up. So, what was Bartimaeus' problem? What is the area that he represents? What was the barrier that Bartimaeus had to break through in order to get closer to Jesus? Well, it was the barrier of other people. Because he was surrounded by other people who, the more he was shouting, the more they were telling him to shut up. And that was his problem. Alright? So, Bartimaeus, he had to break through the... Area, the problems that were related to other people. And he simply did it. The more they told him to shut up, the more he shouted out loud for Jesus, obviously, until Jesus heard him and came to him. So the point was, in order to get closer to the Lord, Bartimaeus had to overcome the effect. Not that he was having on himself, like Zacchaeus. He had to overcome the effect and limitations of how other people were affecting him. He had to overcome the effect that others were having on him. And there are two areas there. Because at the end of the day, all of us have to break through the barriers and the problems that we find ourselves going through as a result of other people. Yes, we face the problems we go through as a result of us, Zacchaeus being so short but we also face the difficulties of the effect that others have on us. Barty trying to shout out over the crowd. And the two areas here are firstly what other people think of us. That's, that's the first area, where we have to overcome the effect that others have, what others think of us. But then, we've also then got to face the problems of what we think of others. So, so let's look at that each in turn. First of all, what others think of us. Now, that's a problem. There can be barriers there that need to be broken through. I.e., we're being held back in, in in getting closer to the Lord. We're being held back in our growth in the Lord because of what we perceive other people think of us. I mean, it's like, for instance, take the whole area of, you know, in worship and say the gifts of the Spirit. Personal witnessing. You know, so in the worship, I mean, you know, maybe you you know there's more freedom to come. And yet, what's the thought? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I really, I really do, in in my heart, I really do want to stand up and dance and clap. I mean, that, that really seems the thing that I want to do. But, oh, what will people think of me? Or like with the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, I, I really want you to use me in in tongues, interpretation, in prophecy, in sharing things, whatever, Lord, I really want that, I really want that, but, oh, goodness, what will others think of me? What will they think if I get it wrong? What will they think if I cock it up? You see what I mean? All all this, you know, what will other people think? And so the crowd, other people, are holding us back and preventing us from really breaking through to getting closer and closer to Jesus. The same with personal witnessing. Jesus wants us to witness to him. And there are opportunities sometimes where, you know, it, it comes along and there it is on a plate. The Lord wants us to speak a word of witness, maybe, to unbelievers. And, oh, what will they think of me? Now, you see the problem? We see it so clearly, don't we? So often, when we're held back in doing what the Lord wants, we're held back in getting closer and closer to him. Because the effect other people are having on us. Because we're kind of thinking, oh, what do they think of me? If you go to John, John chapter 12, we can see the answer to this one. John chapter 12. And in verse 42. 42 to 43. 43. It says, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. Why, that's Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they'd been put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. So here you've got people, they're becoming Christians. They're believing on Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, and because of the important people in their society, they keep shtum about it. So they follow Jesus secretly because they think, if 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 I make a noise about this, they're going to put me out of the synagogue. And of course, the point is, if you were Jew, if you were put out of your local synagogue, I mean, your life would come to an end. You know, because the whole Jewish life surrounded worship. It, it was the centre of their whole lives. And if you were, as it were, like, excommunicated from the synagogue, you were an outcast. And yet the point was that these people, they were believers, but they loved the praise of men rather than the praise of God. And that, that's the issue that we have to face. Every time we're sort of like, you know, going down the tack of, oh, no, because what will other people think? Assuming that it's something that we know is right and proper. If we're being held back out of this thing, oh, what will others think? Then, then in effect, what we're doing is, is we're going after the praises of men before the praises of God. Now, I mean, obviously, it's not, you know, if, if you get the praise of men, that, that's great. I mean, the Bible says there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in the Bible, it says, let another's lips praise you, not your own. The Bible says, don't praise yourself. But if others do, great, you know, no problem there. But the point is that when we go for the praise of men rather than the praise of God, well then we're really holding back and there's a kind of a a barrier that's getting bigger and bigger between us and the Lord and what it boils down to, it doesn't matter what other people think, you see that's the great, that's the secret that's the secret, if you've got God's smile, it does not matter if you end up with man's frown, it doesn't matter if you're doing what you know, beyond all doubt, God wants you to do then if other people have a problem with that, that is their problem, it's not your problem in the slightest It doesn't matter what others think. And when it comes to like stepping out in obedience to the Lord, then it doesn't even matter if you get it wrong. Because we all get it wrong, and it's only by doing it and making mistakes that we learn. So, whatever it is, worship, gifts of the Spirit, evangelism, whatever. If you know it's right, do it, alright? What other people think is, at the end of the day, neither here nor there. And then the other side of this, the barrier of the effect that other people have on us is what we think of other people. What we think of other people. Not worrying about what they think about us, but it's when we're getting all tied up over the issue of what we think of others. I mean, for instance, let me ask you a question and this will indicate kind of what I'm going on about here. Have you ever been distracted for instance, in worship, because there's someone there who's getting up your nose. Has that ever happened? Found that you can't worship because someone's annoying you? That's what I mean. Now, that's a barrier between us and the Lord, isn't it? There, what you've got is you're being affected by other people, but it's what you think of other people. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I suppose at the end of the day, you can be affected. I mean, if someone, I mean, you know, if someone is kind of, you know, getting a bit, you know, resentful against you, and if they show it, then that can affect you. But the point is, if I get resentful against someone else, the one thing I do know, whether it affects them or not, is not going to affect me spiritually, isn't it? And so, there's a barrier sometimes that we need to break through. I mean, you know, things like impatience, intolerance. If I'm being impatient, what am I doing? I'm letting someone else affect my relationship with the Lord. Because it's with someone else that um, I'm getting impatient. And so someone else, I mean not that it's their fault, it's my fault. But can you see, in regards to other people, I'm getting out of fellowship with the Lord. So impatience, intolerance, resentment, bitterness, all these things. It's all the same thing as Bartimaeus having to break through the effect of that crowd, the effect of other people. And that's something that we have to look at as well. Because what we think of others, we can end up what we call here Twitter and Bisted, can't we? And if we end up Twitter and Bisted in regards to other people, well, my goodness, there's a barrier between us and the Lord. And there's a barrier that we need to break through. If you just go to Colossians, and see the answer to this one. Because at the end of the day, why let what anyone else is doing affect your fellowship with the Lord? How silly. Colossians chapter 3. But we do it, but the Lord wants to, to keep showing us not to. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Well, how could anyone get up your nose in the worship if you're doing this? Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. (coughs) I mean, you know, forget the worship even. How could anyone get up your nose full stop if if we're doing this? Can you see? Uh, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." You know, part of our problem is that often not content to get on and work on our own sins. That's kind of back to Zacchaeus, isn't it? Right? Rather than that, it's very easy to end up concentrating on not everyone else's necessarily, but certain <coughs> other people's. Alright? And and very often it's if if you end up with a if you have a little resentment against somebody, or a little a little discontent, or you know, a, just a little something in regards to someone else that isn't right, every time you see them, it's like they've got a big neon sign over their head and it lists all their sins. And it's all you can see and they get more and more annoying don't they and you get more and more indignant about the idea of having to have fellowship with them that's what i'm talking about <laughs> now you know i mean that 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 is daft that is daft and uh, you know there's an area there if we kind of you know did you know really took this colossians thing on you know on, on board i mean you know how, how much you know how, how much nicer our lives would be, I mean, what a greater proportion of time we'd spend in absolute peace inside rather than, than all the getting hit up and struggling in regards to other people. And of course exactly the same thing, when, when Jesus heard Bartimaeus crying out over the crowd, he was Bartimaeus, he was saying, I'm not going to let other people affect me to the point where I can't get through to Jesus. And he overcame the effect that other people were having on him. And he cried out more and more. In the same way that Zacchaeus went up the sycamore tree, Bartimaeus just screams even louder. And what happened? The moment that Jesus heard him, I mean, you know, he did his bit, he broke through, he shouted, All right. The moment he did that, Jesus immediately had him brought to him. And can you see it there again? When we take that step to overcome whatever the barrier is that needs to be broken through, the moment we take that step, the Lord is there to meet us. Regardless of what you may feel, regardless of what you might think, regardless of what it might look like. I mean, you might feel that you've climbed that sycamore tree only to sort of like get stuck in the branches. I mean, you might feel sometimes that like Bartimaeus, you shout and scream over the crowd only to go horse, lose your voice, and then you can't say anything else. That might be what it feels like. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus ended up going to Zacchaeus' house for tea. Bartimaeus ended up being brought to Jesus personally. Even if it doesn't look like that, even if it doesn't feel like it, the moment that we go to overcome whatever the barrier is, the Lord is there to meet us, absolutely, immediately. And so, ha- having asked, in regards to our own personal lives, like things to do with us, are there sycamore trees that we need to climb? We've now got to ask, that is, 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 in regards to other people, is there any shouting that needs to be done? You see what I mean? Zacchaeus climbed a tree, Bartimaeus shouted. Is there any shouting that we need to do? And notice as well, that when... Bartimaeus received his sight, he he went after Jesus. It says that he he went after Jesus and followed him. Whereas with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus didn't go off following Jesus. Jesus followed Zacchaeus home to his house. But at the end of the day, whether it's it's us following Jesus somewhere, or Jesus following us somewhere, whether it's a question of Jesus saying, come unto me, or, or, or go out into the world, and and I'll be with you. At the end of the day, it's all to do with getting closer to the Lord. Closer and closer to Him. More and more of what He actually wants. Okay, right. We've we've seen the problem when it's in us. And now we've seen the problem when it's to do with other people. But there's, there's a, th- a third area where there are problems here and uh, this this might surprise you but uh, nevertheless if you go to Matthew chapter 15 and you'll see what the third area is Matthew chapter 15 and if you find verse 21 matthew 1521. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Now, it, it, it does, it's not demon possession in the Greek at all. We did that, didn't we, in the demonology series. It's demonization. All right. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So this woman, all right, she's talking to Jesus, who's ignoring her. And, and, you know, and now the disciples go to Jesus and say, well, don't just ignore her, Lord, actually send her away. <laughs> he, he answered. So now Jesus decides to actually say something to her. I was sent only to lost sheep of Israel. He says, sorry, I've come for Jews, you're a Gentile. I mean, some so, so welcoming, this is. This is like Bartimaeus going and saying, Lord, you know, I want to see. And Jesus strikes him death. <laughs> you know. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, the... Jet, the the Jews referred rather snobbishly to the Gentiles as dogs. All right. um, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, let's just clarify what's going on here. She comes to Jesus because her daughter is demonized, and she knows that Jesus can heal her daughter from the effect of the demon, set her free. So she goes up to Jesus, saying, Lord, help my daughter, help my daughter, help my daughter. Jesus stands there ignoring her. The disciples intervene, saying, Lord, don't just ignore her. In effect, she's a Gentile and a woman. Send her away. Because the disciples, they believed in doing things properly. You don't, you don't, just ignore Gentile women. You send them away. So they're saying, Jesus, send her away. But the Gentile woman, she's never. Jesus, help me, help me. You see, she, she you know, she's still going. Then Jesus says to her, Look, you know, I've come, I've come for Israel, and you know, and you're a Gentile, and um, and she's saying, Well, you know, help me, help me. See, she, she's not taking no for an answer. Jesus says, look, I'm not going to t- it's, it's not right to take the children's bread, i.e. Israel, their bread, and, you know, sort of throw it to the dogs. So he says, you know, you can't expect me, you know, what I've brought for Israel, you can't expect me to give it to you, a dog, can you? And, uh, and then she said, but, but, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, what is happening here, all right, is that in effect, Jesus isn't being rude, he's not being anything of that at all, because immediately after that he says, that's it, your, your faith is great. What Jesus is doing, he's drawing out her faith. In effect, he's putting her in a position of, of finding out, is she going to take no for an answer? And she doesn't, she keeps going. Of course, that's what faith is. I mean, you know, sort of like real faith in the Lord, when it's based on the promises of the Word of God, and she knew that he was the Messiah. She knew that. She knew the Old Testament. She was a Canaanite, but she knew the Old Testament. She knew, all right, that the Old Testament taught that salvation was going to be for the Gentiles as well. She knew that. And so she was coming to Jesus based on the promise of the Word of God. And she wouldn't take no for an answer, and that is what faith is. And so Jesus is, in effect, drawing her out. And when he says this thing about, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't throw the, you know, the children's food to the dogs, you know, and she says, well, you know, Lord, you know, I mean, even the, you know, the dogs under the table, and, and the word she uses they're a puppy, you know, it's puppy, even the puppies under the table, they get the crumbs like. And and, and and she's fallen in, and they're, they're virtually having a little jokey rapport now. You know, you know, virtually see them winking at each other. She's fallen in, she knows what Jesus is doing. So, in effect, what Jesus was, was doing was drawing out her faith. All right. But the problem... The barrier that she had to break through was, was Jesus' seemingly reluctance, her, his seeming reluctance to respond to her. That's what she had to break through. She wouldn't take no for an answer, but the point is what we've got here are the problems that hold us back in the area not of ourselves, not of others, but of God Himself. And one of the areas where we have problems where we need to break through is in the area of the Lord himself. And it's things like, remember, she's going to Jesus, who's ignoring her, and then when he does start speaking, seems to be trying to put her off. And what we've got here is, is, is the whole area of, for instance, when people have problems with whether the Lord loves them. The Lord doesn't love me. That's a barrier that needs to be broken through. The whole area of, yeah, I mean, other, I, I, I know he loves other people, but, but not me. That, That's a problem, and that's to do with the Lord. You know, the thing about, well, I mean, you know, I, I do confess my sins, but he doesn't forgive me, because I don't feel at peace, so he doesn't forgive me. Others, yes, but not me. Not me. It's sort of saying that, you know, the truth of the Word of God, it, it's, it's for everyone, but not me. And it's all to do with a problem that we have with God himself. I mean, you know, the, you know, the idea that God, God won't hear your prayers. I mean, if, if other people, yeah, but he, he won't hear your prayers. Or, or God doesn't bother with your worship. Oh, yeah, he's blessed with other people, but no, what you do, no, it's neither here nor there. This big blanket of despair and, oh, what's the point? you see? It's, it's the old problem of that wrong picture of God, isn't it? And what Jesus was doing with the Canaanite woman, he was always saying, now, I wonder, I wonder if she's got me right. Oh, I know, yeah, if I pretend to ignore her, will she buy that I'm horrible? And she didn't. She knew he wasn't. And that's why she kept going. She was saying, you know, Lord, you, you can pretend to be horrible all you like, but I know you're naughty lovely. <laughs> that's that's what she was doing. She broke through that barrier of a potential wrong picture of God. And, you know, that often needs breaking through in us. Now, I mean, we've talked quite a bit, you know, recently about unbelief. and this is all tied up with unbelief i mean the bible says god is love i mean you know the bible says that 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 god loved us so much that he sent jesus to die for us i mean that's 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 the truth and yet we doubt that we don't believe it you know the bible talks about how much he wants to bless us the bible talks about how thrilled he is with us the way as children, we say, Daddy, Daddy. But we don't believe it. Maybe we don't feel like that, and so we don't believe it, you know, and, and that is unbelief. It's not believing the Word of God. Because, I mean, what is the opposite of unbelief? It's faith. And, and how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's where we get it from. By believing the Word of God, that's what faith is. Not believing the Word of God, that is unbelief. So the Bible tells us what God is like, how wonderful he is, how much he loves us, all that. The the, the nicest person you could ever meet. I mean, when you're talking about Almighty God, that description almost sounds insipidly blasphemous. But it's completely true. He is the nicest person you could ever meet. He is absolutely wonderful. He is love. And yet sometimes the problems we have believing that he's got it in for us, whoops, he's going to get me now, I mean, you know, I've said in the past, you know, I mean, I was kind of, you know, I mean, the only thing that prevented my past catching up with me was I was running so fast in the opposite direction, And until I realised, but hang on, God dealt with my path. my past, I was all the time living, you know, waiting for, for, for you know, the God's hammer of unloving, horrible, nasty judgment to come down on me. Well, that's daft. Now, God will discipline, yeah. He won't spare the rod. But, you know, I, mean, I kept waiting for God to pound me out of existence. You know, the, 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 this, this great, horrible, you know, sort of like stern, judgmental figure in the sky that you can't begin to identify with. No, that's what Satan's like. That's what Satan's like. That's not what God's like. And so, we need, maybe, to overcome that. There are problems in that particular area. Go to to John 1. John chapter 1. Just, you know, sort of look at a couple of things here. John 1, and verse 12. He says, Yet... Uh, Speaking of Jesus, to all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, what that is saying is, all right, that the reason that you're born again, all right, is because God has brought you to Jesus and you've confessed your sins and you've been born again, okay, and you're now a child of God. But that happened, alright, not because of a human decision, although you had to say yes, obviously, and obviously not of a husband's will, but, but you were born of God. Now it's saying simply this, you were born into God's family because you were a wanted child. Is it? I mean, it's like, sort of, some children, they're born into the world that that their their parents want them, they're planned for. Other children aren't planned for, alright, that they're loved anyway, but other children aren't planned for, and the parents have a real job loving the children. And lots of Christians seem to be more in that position when they think about the Lord you know, but but you were a wanted child, okay? You were born again because it wasn't just that God wanted, I mean, God likes a big family, but it wasn't just that God wanted to increase the size of his family by one, and it happened to be you. God wanted you in his family. See? Now then, do we believe that? At rock bottom, do we believe that? That we're wanted children? Because we are. You know, he fathered you spiritually because you're a wanted child. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Sorry, chapter 7. And verse 11. Jesus said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now what Jesus is doing here is that he's, I mean, say Steve with Samuel, Dave with David and Dana, Jonathan with Emma, Gary with his two, Alright. Now the point is, your, your hearts burst with love for your children. And all you want for them is the best. And here Jesus is saying that's absolutely genuine. But he's saying, but you're sinners. That's genuine, but you're sinners. So if you can arise to those heights in loving your children, even whilst you're sinners. He says, how much more do you think that God loves you? Do <clears throat> you see the comparison? Jesus is saying, you know, yeah, you earthly fathers, though you're evil, you love your children to this. Well, if you can do that, being one, finite, and two, sinful, how much more does God, who is infinite and completely holy, how much more does he love us? That's that's the love that God has for us. And the Canaanite woman, she knew that. She knew that. And Jesus was thrilled. You know, I mean, wouldn't Steve be upset, you know, if say, say when Samuel's a bit older? You know, it's not of like Samuel went around all the time convinced that Steve didn't love him. You know? Uh, you know, it don't matter what Steve does, but Samuel's like you, you don't love me. You know, Or he might say, well, I'm, I'm going to tell Dad that I do believe he loves me, because so if he thinks I I don't think that, he might hit me. I mean, wouldn't it be tragic if you discovered that your son or your daughter believed that of you? And yet, when push comes to shove, how many Christians actually believe, you know, sort of, what must it be like for the Lord after everything he's done? What, what does it take for, for him to, to convince us, how much he actually loves us you know i mean jesus was thrilled with the canaanite woman and wouldn't it be lovely you know for him to be more and more thrilled with us in us just believing in that great love that he has for us let's just um see some verses in romans go go to romans chapter five Because this is a profound area, sometimes where breakthroughs are needed. <coughs> Romans chapter five. I'm absolutely convinced with this, you know, sort of love the Lord your God and your neighbours yourself that, that, that there's a, a complete tying if you have problems with God loving you, I think you're going to have problems, possibly, with loving other people. Uh, you know, uh, it's so easy to... if we represent to others the God... You know, if, if we think God is harsh on us, we're going to end up harsh on others. And it's, it's a tragedy because then we're, you know, we're ending up misrepresenting God him, himself. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And um, Paul says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Have you see that? It's not even that he loves us because we're following him. He loved us enough to die for us when we had no interest in Him whatsoever. Go to chapter 8, Romans 8, and first of all verse 15. He says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. And Abba, that's that's the kind of, that's the little word that babies first, you know, that's Dada. The most intimate, the most helpless, the most endearing, you know, kind of thing that a little child can say. And Paul says that is the relationship that God has brought us into in regards to himself. But he says, rather than that, he says, you receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. And Paul's saying, you know, in this thing about, yeah, there's a right way to fear God, respect and awe. Of course there is. But there's another time, you know, sort of like sometimes where we can end up frightened of God in exactly the wrong way. And it's just bondage, you know, thinking that he's horrible or something like that, and out to get us. Absolutely crazy. And that leads us into fear, and that leads us into bondage. Paul says, no, we've got the exact opposite of that. We're supposed to be crying out, dada, dada. That's the relationship that he's brought us into. Verse 31 as well, he says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What Paul's saying, you know, I mean, if God didn't even withhold Jesus, was prepared to give Jesus to die for us. He said, well, when it comes to, you know, to being blessed and answers to prayer, I mean, the sky's the limit. If if God didn't hold Jesus back on us, well, my goodness, will he not now freely give us all things? That is the love that God has for us. That is how he feels about us. And we need to know that, we need to believe that. We might not necessarily feel it, but we need to know it to be true, to believe it to be true. And, and, and as we do that, then areas which are real problems will begin yeah. to dissolve away, and we'll get closer to Him. Because one of the things is that, I mean, if there was someone in, in this fellowship, say, who came into the fellowship, and let's say they were standoffish, um, they only sort of like were really interested in you to tell you what's wrong with you, um, you know, and sort of like you know they you know they sort of felt that the whole time you were just like snivelling around them and couldn't get anything right, blah blah blah. If if someone in the fellowship was like that, you wouldn't want to spend much time with them. But but the thing is that that that's often what we think Jesus is like, isn't it? That's what we think God is like. You know, He's only going to speak to us when it's to convict us of sin or something. You know, and that you know, you can't get close to him because if I do, if I do you know, if I snuggle up to him, rather than get a cuddle, I'm gonna get rebuked for something. Or well, I better not get too close to Lord, I'm gonna get convicted about something. I think what a tragic yes, of 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 course the Lord will convict us if there's something needed there. But that's part and parcel of a loving relationship. But isn't it a tragedy? when we end up thinking of Him only in terms almost as if He's a rather standoffish person that, that, that you're not really going to want to get too close to. Well, if you realise how lovable the Lord is, then what a barrier that removes from the heart of anyone who's a little bit frightened and thinks that the Lord's only going to you know, like give them a kicking because they're a sinner. You know, I mean, sort of like God, He just meets us with, with His grace. His grace and His love and His forgiveness. So, there is a third area where, I don't know, if there are problems to overcome, if there are barriers to be broken through, let's make that move. And you break through that barrier simply by getting a grip and believing the Word of God. Not feelings. You know, it might it might seem, it might feel that God is a long way away from you and he's not helping you. That isn't true. That isn't true. It might feel that he's left you. That isn't true. That isn't true. You might think he's got it in for you. It isn't true. It isn't true. It just isn't true. And yet, if we pr- believe Satan's lies rather than the truth of the Bible, well, I mean, it's daft, isn't it? That's daft. Satan is going to keep all kinds of barriers between us and the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, in talking about how, how much God loves us, I mean, it, it, it poses a question, you know, why does the Lord love us so much? And, 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 and the answer to that is that he, he just does. He just does. I, I mean, you know, if Samuel said, Daddy, why do you love me so much? I mean, yes, yeah, Steve will go into the world because you're my son and blah, 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 you know, into all that. But at the end of the day, he just does, he can't help it, can he? And that is how the Lord is with us. He cannot help loving us to bits. And what a tragedy when we don't actually believe that. So then, various areas. Things to do with us, Zacchaeus getting up that sycamore tree. Things to do with other people, you know, doing a bit of shouting over and above the crowd, as it were and uh, you know sort of like a wrong picture of God and here we've got a Canaanite woman giving Jesus a bit of that because she weren't going to take no for an answer <coughs> all the time saying Lord I, I know it looks like you don't love me but I know you do and I'm going to keep going because I know you do and, and and that thrilled Jesus to bits so then the Lord of breaking through any areas that that we feel from this that Lord is identifying if we bring it to him then he will provide everything we need in order to break through. And uh, we'll see, as it were, the Philistines dispersing from in front of us. Right, leave that there.